The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. If they felt like it was in the best interest of the team to move forward, so be it. You know, that doesn't... Again, that doesn't, that wouldn't offend me. That wouldn't, uh, you know, make me feel like a victim. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any animosity towards the team. I love the team. I love the organization. I love the city. I love the region. You know, I'm a minority owner in the Bucks. Like, I'm going to be a part of the region long after I'm done playing. Like, I have, I have a lot of love, uh, a lot of love for what's going on in Green Bay. That was Aaron Rodgers yesterday on his weekly appearance on the Pat McAfee show um, in response to if Green Bay decided to move on and trade him. Uh, he wouldn't be opposed to it. He wouldn't be offended by it. In fact, that was just a short snippet of a longer interview where he even talked about reworking his contract to make a deal uh, much more palatable for the team that would be acquiring him and the team, his own team currently, the Packers, in trading him. So that was a big conversation on the Pat McAfee show yesterday. So why? Was it a conversation on the Pat McAfee show yesterday? Well, because there were two different reports, one from Adam Schefter and one from Ian Rappaport. Schefter over the weekend um, reported that uh, there's a very real possibility Rodgers will be traded this offseason provided Green Bay can find a taker for his massive contract. He's due $60 million, $59.5 million next year. Nobody's going to pay that. But he mentioned to McAfee he'd be willing to rework his contract. Uh, Schefter, by the way, also did mention that AFC teams would be the preference for Green Bay. Um, So there is that. Uh, Rappaport then followed up yesterday on that same Pat McAfee show, reiterating what Schefter had reported, saying a trade is a possibility. So Aaron Rodgers being traded from Green Bay is now, in my mind's eye, more of a possibility than it was a few days ago. I will predict right now that Aaron Rodgers plays for Green Bay next year. That's my prediction. However, the fact that they would be willing, he would be willing, excuse me, to rework his contract, restructure his contract, to make it easier for Green Bay to move on from him and for him to land with another team, um, is it, it changes the scope of things because I don't think anybody would acquire him and pay him $60 million next year, and I don't think the Packers would take a $40 million plus dead cap hit next year to deal him. 
I think there's going to have to be a restructuring so it's less painful on both sides if there's going to be a trade. The fact that he's open to it, so now let's talk about what came to my mind yesterday afternoon after hearing the uh, Rogers interview with Pat McAfee and then the follow-up with Rappaport and Schefter, which I did not know about um, uh, when we were doing the podcast yesterday. So I had this thought. First of all, in a normal environment, I'd be all in for Aaron Rodgers. I don't buy any of the bullshit of him being a declining player. I think the team wasn't good last year around him. I think if they had had Devontae Adams, I think they would have won 11, 12 games. They would have been in the postseason, and he would have been an MVP candidate. That's what I think. You know, he won 39 games in 2019, 2020, in 2021 and was an MVP of the league twice. Last year, they had all new players as receivers, and it took a while, and they still nearly made the postseason. He did not have his best year. You know, 3,700 passing yards, 65% completion percentage, 26 touchdowns, you know, 12 picks. And there were a couple of games when I watched him where if some of you do believe he's in decline, I would say, yeah, that's a pretty good example to use. He looked awful against the Detroit Lions on the road when he threw like three interceptions in the red zone, a couple of them in goal-to-goal situations. Personally, though, I don't think Aaron Rodgers has declined significantly. I still think Aaron Rodgers is one of the best five quarterbacks in the NFL. I think Aaron Rodgers in the NFC on a better team, we'd still think of him as the best quarterback in the NFC. I don't see Aaron Rodgers in major decline skill-wise. I don't. Some of you may completely discount what I'm going to say because you believe that to be true. But here's what I started to think about. And indulge me, because I do understand this is a bit of sports talk, you know, hypothetical sports talk fantasy. Because I do think Aaron Rodgers will end up playing in Green Bay next year. And I think if he is traded, it won't be to Washington. But what I thought about yesterday was this. Would having Aaron Rodgers as a Washington commander actually increase the value of what Dan Snyder is selling his franchise? Would Aaron Rodgers, as a Washington commander, allow Dan Snyder to get more for the team? Because one of the things that would happen immediately is Bank of America would have to say to those that have bid on the team, hey, that prospectus that we gave you that included that three- to five-year budget forecast and revenue forecast, yeah, take that out. We've got a new one that we have to provide to you. I don't know how these NFL teams are sold. You know, it's so little supply, so much demand. You know, in a lot of sales, there's some sort of industry multiple, and it's, you know, you end up paying basically a multiple of revenue or a multiple of EBITDA, or there's there's a formula. I don't think NFL teams are sold that way. Um, But there is still, I guarantee you, in that prospectus, you know, a revenue forecast, a, a three- to five-year budget forecast, maybe more. I don't know. I haven't seen the prospectus. I would love to see it. So any of you that work for Bank of America that listen to this show that may have access to it, reach out to me, and I promise you I won't tell anybody that I was able to read it. Um, but the point being, would Aaron Rodgers increase the value of the franchise that Dan Snyder is selling? I don't know, but I do know this the revenue forecast would change. 
if you traded for Aaron Rodgers, there would be an immediate increase in revenue for the franchise. Tickets and then everything off of that, parking, concessions, etc. It would be the best ticket-selling period since RG3 in 2012. Like, they would actually be selling tickets at a rapid pace. The combination of Aaron Rodgers and Dan Snyder leaving would excite a lot of people. There would be massive renewed interest in buying tickets for a team that's had a very difficult time selling them. You would have 62000 in change for all of your home games next year. And it would be a lot of Washington fans in that crowd next year. By the way, how about sponsorship revenue? You don't think sponsors that are, you know, out there somewhat interested but are waiting to see, you know, what happens with Snyder and you don't think Aaron Rodgers would move that needle? So, again, I I don't know how the math would work on value evaluation increase, but having Aaron Rodgers in this organization would mean a couple of things that would excite all of us. Immediate contender in the NFC, probably a top two to three favorite next year with the Eagles and the Niners in the NFC because of the team that he would be joining. Excellent defense. Sure, they need to add some offensive linemen, but now it's less important because you have a real quarterback. The weaponry that he would have, so much different than Green Bay. Imagine Terry McLaurin as the number one with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, if he had been the quarterback for this team this year, I had Ian, one of my longtime callers. I said, well, what do you think the record would be next year? And he said 9-7-1. and 9-7-1, and they were 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one this year. If they had had Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback this year, do you think they would have been 9-7-1? and one? Come on. The games they lost, so many of them were close. They would, have beat, they would have beaten the Giants once. They would have beaten Cleveland. They would have beaten Minnesota. They lost by three to the Vikings at home. That's three wins right there that Aaron Rodgers would have given you. That's 11-5-1. You're an immediate contender next year in the NFC. You are one of the top three favorites to win the NFC championship going into next year. You know, if you bring back, you know, the, the the majority, the significant majority of what you had last year, and then you add Aaron Rodgers to that. Uh, imagine the team's profile next year. You know, jerseys, national TV games. I mean, when the schedule comes out in May, if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, you can book Thanksgiving in Dallas. You can book maybe, maybe the NFL season opener. The Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles at home Thursday night, September 9th, or whatever it would be, against Aaron Rodgers and Washington. You can book two Sunday night games against the Niners and the Bills and probably a Monday night game against the Giants. Immediate contender in the NFC, immediate elevation of the team's profile, and immediate, immediate increase in revenue. The whole revenue forecast would change overnight. And as far as Aaron Rodgers goes, you're joining a a program where that owner, which you would have never played for, is going. By the way, the one thought I had is if Dan acquires him, now all of a sudden he's like, well, I'm not going to leave now that I have Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, like one of the conditions of the trade is that Snyder continues to move forward with the sale of the team. But imagine Aaron Rodgers, Dan Snyder, Aaron Rodgers in, Dan Snyder out. 
Aaron, you get to pick your offensive coordinator, bring in Nathaniel Hackett or anybody else you want. Ron and Ron will be the CEO. Jack's the defensive coordinator. Let's go have ourselves a season for once. I know some of you would say, well, that's just not a great long-term plan. You always talk about sustained winning, and there's time for sustained winning. How about let's immediately win if that possibility actually exists? And then Sam Howell can be the guy behind him. And if he's not the right guy and we realize that, well, they can groom somebody else two years from now. You're going to get two to three years of a really good football team. And again, I just I do wonder whether or not Dan Snyder is somewhere going, if we were to trade for Aaron Rodgers, what could I get for the team now? I don't know. Maybe it's negligible in terms of the overall value increase. But the revenue forecast would change significantly. Significantly. Hey, the Wizards last night, before we get to Ben Standig, loved the way they played last night without Porzingis, without Hachimura. Beating Dallas last night, 127-126, they've won three in a row. Look, I don't want them to be, you know, the 10 seed and in a play-in situation. I'd rather they lose out and get into the Victor Wembignana, you know, lottery sweepstakes. Um, but I give them a lot of credit with, uh, the, with the way they played last night against a team that hasn't been playing well, but they swept the Mavericks. And they can score, man. They can score. And when they're healthy, I do think the Wizards are like a 500-ish, 500-ish kind of team, game over, two games over, a team that would be playing in a best of seven, you know, if they were fully healthy. And Porzingis is out for a while. But good win from them. How about Georgetown? Finally, 29-game losing streak ends. They beat DePaul last night. I can't believe I didn't see that point spread. Steve Sands, Tim Murray. Congrats, you guys called it, and I saw on our group text um, after uh, the game had tipped uh, what the line was. DePaul was just a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, uh, Yeah. Uh, Oh, uh, one other quick thing, too. The guy, if you recall, um, the guy who was the chief uh, marketing strategist for the team, Will Misselbrook, was his name. He's the latest to leave the organization. He was like chief marketing officer, chief digital creative, whatever his title was. He was a big muckety-muck in the organization. Jason Wright brought him in. He was very significant, remember, in the uh, new name uh, and the branding because he was the guy, and I read this quote because it made me vomit in my mouth. He was the guy that when he was interviewed about the team name said, quote, Well, it's more than just a football team. If your team name is an animal, you are kind of restricted. The name Commanders allowed us to go into a much bigger space. Media, food, fashion, pop culture, and music, closed quote. And when I read that, I did a a, a thing on, on the show. It just made me sick to my stomach that, you know, the name was picked with the idea of, well, um, we really want to be a brand in media and food and fashion and pop culture and music. I mean, my God, help us all. I mean, this is a guy that knew nothing about the team, had no real you know, passion for the team, as most of the people out there haven't. They gave us this shitty name, this shitty branding. One of the things, you know, and I had my top 10 list of things I want the new owner to be about. Number one is I want him or her to laugh at somebody that says to them, hey, we need a name 
that allows us to go into media, food, fashion, pop culture, and music into a much bigger space. The only thing I want my owner to be worried about in his hires is, is this person helping me win a Super Bowl? Because I want the brand of the organization to be winning Super Bowls. And then if you do that, you'll be shocked in this day and age of how you can extend that brand into all kinds of different things. But if you're losing on the field, this is my opinion, and it could be outdated. I concede that point. Because I've heard about what the Dolphins have done even before they started to win this year with you know Formula One racing equity, um, with their stadium, the, the Hard Rock Stadium is so user-friendly, consumer-friendly for young families with kids, and nobody really cares about winning. I don't know. I just disagree with that. I think the focus should be on winning. And then the rest of the stuff, after you've won two or three Lombardi trophies, you can start worrying about extending the brand into fashion, music, and pop culture. Well, we should have thought about that from the beginning, and then we would have picked a better name. No, whatever the name is, it'll work if it's a winner. All right, uh, let's get to Ben Standig right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jumping on with me right now is my good friend Ben Standig from The Athletic. Uh, Subscribe to The Athletic, people. I'm a subscriber. It doesn't cost you much. And I'm telling you, Ben and all of the writers that cover the local teams are outstanding. Ben writes a lot and writes often and there are always little tidbits that you don't think about that are included in his stories um like uh last week uh when he mentioned uh in kind of a throwaway line um that scott turner was not on board with the carson wentz trade he didn't make as big of a deal out of that as i thought he should have um but we did last week uh but definitely subscribe to the athletic follow ben on twitter at Ben Standig, and listen to Ben's podcast, uh, the same place you get this podcast. Uh, it's called Standig Room Only. So um, I just made a, a very brief case. I, I, it w- wasn't a brief case. It was a brief case full of, I thought, very good points um, uh, on the case that you could make for Aaron Rodgers um, if he's actually available uh, for Washington to trade for him. And basically I said, look, you know, if you, if, if you trade for him, you become an instant NFC contender. 
Um, this team with Aaron Rodgers this year, even Aaron Rodgers with the way he played in Green Bay this year, I think would have won 10 or 11 games. There would have been at least a, a two to three game difference, if not more. Um, you can point to all those close games uh, that they lost um, and you know may not have been as close in some of the games that they won. Um, you'd have immediate profile uh, enhancement. You'd be on national TV a bunch next year. Um, but more importantly, you'd have season ticket sales, sponsorships, and a whole new life given to the business of the team if Aaron Rodgers was traded for. And even though it would be costly for the new owner once he acquires the team, because Dan's not going to have to put any money down. All the guaranteed money and signing money has already happened. And 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 Rodgers will have reworked his contract to get out of Green Bay to begin with. Um, I think that there's actually a case that could be made for making that move. Um, on ESPN yesterday, Dominic Foxworth said he's got Green Bay as one and Washington as two uh, in his uh, likely destinations for Aaron Rodgers next year. What do you think? Um, well, I'll, I'll get to the compelling part of what you're saying in a second, but tell me if I'm wrong. Did, did I not see a report that said Green Bay would not consider trading him to an NFC team, or am I dreaming that? Adam Schefter did imply that Green Bay would likely not trade him to an NFC team. That's correct. Okay. So, um, what's interesting, so here's what's interesting, right? You know, obviously Ron Rivera last year made a big play to get a quarterback because, you know, you got to have one in this league. The the irony, you mentioned the budget uh, component of this as to why Washington's probably not going to make that kind of move. But ironically, this is the year to actually really go for, because if you look at the NFC, as we you know discussed all year, the quarterbacks are not compelling at all. I, I mean, other than like it looks, Jalen Hurts, who's obviously this has been his breakout year, I guess would be the, the, the viewed as like the top quarterback, especially from like a you know what you know. Uh, Potential standpoint, like it's still growing, whereas like Rodgers and Brady, you know, it's obviously on the backside of their careers. And then if you said who's number two after Hurts, I mean, I don't even know. It might still be Rodgers considering who he is, but like it is really a bleak group. And, you know, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, they're not going to have as many backers after these playoffs. So um, that would actually be, you know, if you could get Rodgers hypothetically for Washington with the playmakers they have, with the defense they have. I mean, I really do think they would be, they would shoot up the, the, the list of contenders. Um, you know, all that said, uh, you know, he, 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 he doesn't have a no trade clause, but obviously he has a lot of sway. And, you know, for all the same reasons we're saying offensive coordinators would probably be not be, offensive coordinators with options would probably not be able to come here. I would think the same would apply for Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I not only do I understand your point, I think. You can make a really compelling case they should be aggressive simply because of where the NFC right now is with quarterback play. Well, I I, I think Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFC. I mean, I, I would not put Jalen Hurts ahead of, of Aaron Rodgers. Like, I understand that people want to point to the fact that this was the worst year of his career recently anyway. 26 touchdowns over 12 picks, 3,695 yards, 65% completion percentage. You know, it's still a pretty good year for, for many quarterbacks. But if, if he had Devontae Adams this year Devontae in Green Adams. Bay, they would have won – 
11 or 12 games, they would have had a chance to go deep into the postseason, and he would have likely been an MVP candidate again. I mean, they took away everything from him. They had a bad team around him. I I, I mean, I made the case, if he played in Washington, as I mentioned, they would have won 10 or 11 games. If he played in New York with the Jets, which is one of those teams where he could get dealt to, you know, that team this year would have won 10 games. Um, you know, they had so many close losses with horrific quarterback play. Horrific quarterback play. Um, I think he, in the NFC, if, if people are predicting that he's going to fall off a cliff, so be it at 39 years old. Um, maybe you have some vision that others don't, or maybe you saw something and at times he was sloppy this year. But I think it was more about the, what he had around him, um, not him uh, I could see Aaron Rodgers getting right back on uh, into that, you know, MVP mix, best quarterback uh, conversation with a team like what Washington has around him next year. Um, but yeah, I mean, the NFC landscape, you know, adds more fuel to that. Although I think it's so hard to predict year in and year out. You know, like we never thought the NFC we we thought the NFC East was going to stink this year. It was the best division in football, top to bottom. You know, I we, we you know, Tampa was yeah. picked to, to to potentially make a Super Bowl run. Green Bay was, um, you know, so I, I don't know. Um, but yes, no, I get your point. Well, well that's from a quarterback standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like when we talk about the guys in the AFC, like we, we all the praise for Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. You know, I mean, like Mahomes and Burrow, I think we're you know we're already there in terms of where they are. But like these other guys, we're pointing to how. You know, impressive they are, but like if we said right now who are the best quarterbacks, like they're right. I would probably say Rodgers is ahead of them, but they're still progressing with Rodgers at a minimum. It's going down somewhat, right? I mean, that's just a fact because of the of the situation of the age and whatever. And honestly, even just him being constantly threatening to quit is a pain in the butt. <laughs> you know, like you constantly have to have that aspect of it overall, and then he's gonna say stuff. I mean, I, I'm a big Aaron Rodgers. Fan, but you know, um, but yeah, the, uh, that's all I'm saying. It's just like I would pick Rodgers over Jalen Hurts per se, but uh, but I'm saying you know from an upside standpoint, Jalen Hurts is still um, ascending. But yeah, I mean ultimately, that's what is again so funny to me about all of this. Whether you're talking about Aaron Rodgers or if hypothetically Lamar Jackson got sprung free, this is the playground Dan Snyder has wanted to play in, and now <laughs> it may not be not be available to him even if he wanted to. Yeah, and um, you know the Lamar Jackson, something like that really isn't available because the amount of money that they'd have to plop down, you know, upon signature of a new deal, I don't think he's going to do that. I don't think he's going to put that money into escrow. Whereas the Rodgers would have, you know, theoretically would come here with a reworked deal already. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's a fantasy, people. Okay, I said that before. It's hypothetical. The thing is, though, I don't understand for the life of me those of you that would rather proceed with Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett next year and build up offensive line, you know, linebacker, etc. Depth, um, and you know, hope that it's Howell that ends up being the next franchise quarterback. Or if he isn't, you're going to stink bad enough that you can take Caleb Williams next year. Now, if you told me I get a chance at Caleb Williams or Aaron Rodgers for the last two to three years of his productive career, I, I might, I might take the, the swing on Caleb Williams or, or Drake May next year. But you know, even that is. 
not as solid as Aaron Rodgers coming here and giving you a chance to advance deep into the NFC postseason next year and the year after more likely than not. So that would be the burden hand for sure. Um, but then again, who knows? Maybe Sam Howell is the answer. Uh, we'll get to quarterback here in a moment. What are you hearing? What are you thinking as far as the latest on the offensive coordinator search? Well, I mean, just to tie these two things in together a little bit to what you said, uh, you know, if, if I was a, a fan, I might say, look, I get the, the, uh, the, the reasoning for, say, wanting the Aaron Rodgers. It would obviously cost a lot of assets, but is it going to matter with the current coaching staff? Like, is this coaching staff, do you have enough confidence that even with Rodgers, they would be able to put you over the top? I think that obviously would have to be a question, right? Um, and, uh, you know, who also is in that? I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a question about that. I'd tell Aaron Rodgers you get to bring whichever – you go out and hire the offensive coordinator. Literally tell us who you want to, for the offensive coordinator. Let Ron be the CEO. Let Jack coach the defense. We're good to go. Sure. I mean, and look, Nathaniel Hackett's out there, right? right. That's obviously Rodgers' guy. So that, 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 could make, that, that could make sense um, for sure. But, you know, again, you know, Ron Rivera's track record is three winning seasons in 12 years. He did have the highs – of you know making the Super Bowl, but like that to me would be at least part of it, and then we still don't even know if he would be the coach beyond this season, and that where that's where the you know the OC situation comes into play. Obviously, it is something that is on the minds of potential candidates um, as they're as they're eyeing this job. I I, I don't have any necessarily big um, changes or reporting to give you in terms of specific people. I just think it still comes down to the same dynamic of the five candidates that they have interviewed, two have experience as an OC, three do not, regardless of whether the three that don't have compelling cases, they're really interesting, innovative, whatever, I just can't comprehend that Rivera is going to go with somebody who doesn't have that experience, both based on his track record of hires, um, but also the, um, the situation, you know, another losing season, you know, it's pretty hard to say he's going to come back, even if somehow there wasn't an ownership change. The fact that there, you know, it looks like there will be an ownership change, we think, perhaps. And, um, you know, th- th- that makes it even less likely because the new the new person would surely want to bring in their own voice. So I, I, it just feels like all these things being equal, it would be somebody who has experience, which would mean Pat Shermer or Ken Zampezi, and that's where I would put my money down on one of those two guys. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, and, you know, on the Aaron Rodgers thing, I think it's a super long shot, even though I think if things were normal here, meaning like the new owner was already in place, this might be, you know, um, this wouldn't be an unattractive place to come to um, from a roster standpoint. Um, uh, you know, part, part of, too, what I said was, it, Ben, it might excite it might excite Dan so much that he may decide no 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 I brought you Aaron Rodgers I'm sticking around for Aaron Rodgers um, but anyway I agree with you on the OC thing um, I think it feels like Ken Zampezi or Pat Shermer as well and and to be honest with you I think it feels more like Ken Zampezi and the only reason I say that is Cooley had mentioned something to me the other day and he said you know with Zampezi they don't have to change any of the terminology or anything that he learned uh, that that Hal learned in his first year. Um, but then again, I mean, what are we getting? Are we just getting Scott Turner, an extension of Scott Turner? I don't know. 
if Zampezi would be different. Do you have any idea if Zampezi would be different than Scott Turner? Um, I, I don't know definitively. I guess one way he could be different would be, how do I say this nicely, it, it felt at times that Scott Turner was trying to show how smart and creative he was, um, and maybe Zampezi would be more in line to say this is what the team wants to do, this is what the coach wants to do, we're going so we'll just do this. Now, for Zampezi has the OC experience from his time with the Bengals. That didn't go so well. He was out um, in his second year as the OC after having been there for many years as the quarterback coach. So, um, yeah, I, I look, I mean, what, what is Rivera's track record with bringing in assistance based on here, right? Almost everybody on the staff was with him previously in Carolina. Now, he does know Shermer from back in the day, but it is really back in the day because it's a long time ago they were with Andy Reid's staff, um, whereas MPC is here. And, you know, that, that would, like you just said, it would make life a lot easier, presumably, for Sam Howe and for everybody on the offense to just, okay, well, he, same terminology, same basic uh, principles, but this guy is now calling the plays. I mean, I could absolutely see that being the move here uh, for Rivera. We're entering into one of the most exciting times in the last quarter century um, as, you know, fans slash observers of this team. And we could also simultaneously be, uh, you know, entering into one of the more boring off-seasons football-wise and maybe a dreadful season next year. The exciting part is the fact that Snyder is more likely than not gone. Celebration. And we'll take, you know, two bad seasons in exchange for that. Um, but really, this offseason is shaping up, unless they were to look at and view Aaron Rodgers as a value, you know, a, a value enhancement prior to the sale. Like they could jack the price up with all the season tickets that would be purchased and sponsorships that would be in. Uh, but assume they're not going to follow that advice. We're, we're shaping up for a really boring off season, aren't we? It certainly appears that way. Um, you know, I mean, I guess you know the the in what the 2021 off season was, um, you know, exciting in the sense that there were like three different pieces that were added of, of some note: William Jackson, Curtis Samuel, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, but obviously, the first year under Rivera was largely sort of these under-the-radar free agents. I mean, there was the excitement of the number two pick, of course. Um, and last year, I know excitement may not be the right word, but there was a lot of questions about, you know, a lot of intrigue as to what they would do at quarterback. And, you know, they, they did make a, a big, a splashy move to go get Wentz. But, um, yeah, they haven't done a ton, but this feels like it could be even less than that. You're, they're, they're fronting Sam Howell as a starter, meaning at a minimum they won't draft somebody high. And... You know, if they if they keep Deron Payne, that's going to pretty much eat up the money. If they don't keep Deron Payne, you're probably looking at spending money on the offensive line, which is very very important, but hardly sexy or anything. So, um, yeah, this could be a pretty quiet uh, situation, especially if, you know with the Dan Snyder uh, factor. You know, we talked about the budget stuff. You know, he's got to put money. Um, you know, if you, if you sign guys to guaranteed contracts. Money's got to go into escrow to cover that guaranteed money, and that becomes a more complicated situation the higher the money is. So, um, yeah, all, all the way around, it's uh, it, it could very well be a quiet offseason. 
not to mention, and I was just looking at this, Mel Kuyper just put out um, his, uh, his, I guess, first mock draft. Is this his first mock draft of the year? I don't know. Um, but he's got basically every quarterback gone by the, um, by the ninth pick. Uh, he's got Stroud and Young and Levis and Richardson all going in the top ten. So by the time you get to 16, you're basically looking at, you know, a few big-time offensive linemen and a few big-time corners that'll be available. Um, you know, not that they don't need that, and I mean, I mean, I I'd advocate for that. Um, but just adding to you know the the, the lack of excitement for some anyway in the in the you know will there you know will there be a quarterback at sixteen? You know, will Anthony Richardson fall to sixteen, and should they be interested like that? I can see being a conversation if he starts to fall, but it certainly seems like Anthony Richardson is climbing, not falling. But we've got a lot of time between now uh, and the draft. Speaking of the draft, um, you're going to the Senior Bowl. You're going to Mobile next week. Who will they have down there? Um, and do you think it's possible? that the OC candidate gets picked before next week so that maybe the OC candidate, you know, along with Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera and, and the scouts all have input and maybe are all down there for it. Yeah. Um, so last year, basically anybody you would think that would go from the coaching staff in the front office was there except for Rivera. I don't know definitively if he's going, but I'm not positive that he – that he is going uh, this time either. Uh, yeah, the, the OC thing, I mean, if you had asked me, you know, a week or two ago, wh- what's the time frame for this hire, I would say, well, I would guess they would want somebody in play there, you know, to be there by for the Senior Bowl because you want their view, and also you want everybody to be looking at it from, here's the type of players we're looking to add on offense, we want, you know, zone blocking linemen or what kind of tight ends are we looking at or whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, you would think that would be the case, but where we are right now, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. I would imagine they're going to interview more than the five they had. There are obviously teams still in the playoffs. They could be waiting out something there. But, yeah, I mean, at this point, we're talking – uh, what is today? Tuesday? No, Wednesday. Um, you know, it, it doesn't seem like we're on the verge of a hire, so I, I would guess there won't be an OC down there, but, you know, you never know. Um, so I was reading your uh, column in The Athletic from the other day, the one titled, Commander's Actions Must Match Words, Whether Offense Goes Run First or Not. Um, first of all, you want to tell everybody what you mean by that? Well, I mean, you know, everybody got, you know, worked up over whatever Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew were saying at their press end of the season press conference about this being a, you know, their, their, their philosophy is to be run first, run heavy. Again, not the two to one ratio that was overstated, but like the, just that, 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 that notion. But, and they're saying this wasn't a new idea. This is what they've been doing, but yet so many of their actions last off season just simply did not match that mindset um you know they may have been picking uh, picking or signing the best player they thought was available but not necessarily uh, items that matched that mentality so regardless of whether any of us think that's what they should be doing uh based on just where the league is right now and also based on personnel if they're really going to do this they need to go 
do this. Uh, you know, and to, to, to the point of the offensive coordinator conversation, you know, I, I don't know what like a Greg Roman's options are, the the, the now ex Ravens um, offensive coordinator, but based on his track record, where his teams in his ten years of being an OC for three different organizations, they have been always ranked in the top five or ten in rush attempts and rush yards. That absolutely, somebody should be knocking on the door to say, hey, come talk to us. And if not, come do this job just for that reason. And it's not, so, you know, it's not enough just to say you want to do something. Go, go do it. Go make, make, make it so there's no, there's no qualms um, about it. And that includes, of course, the offensive line, which is something they did, you know, a poor job of last year of, in assembling it. That was my view even before the season started. So, you know, if whatever their plan is, they need to go, you know, make moves that are with it, not just make random moves to fill out the situation. It's sort of like the William Jackson deal. They wanted a really good corner, but then took a guy who clearly was not a fit for what they were trying to do. Like, what do you want, what are you trying to accomplish? And then go find the pieces that do that. Not just go find players that may be good, but don't do what you do or what you need them to do. Yeah, I mean, last year's offseason certainly didn't match the formula that they mentioned seven times during that press conference. Um, I'm with you on that. Two more things um, for you. Number one is, with that in mind, you wrote something in your column um, the other day that I actually mentioned, I think, to Cooley at the end of last week when we were talking about this run-first thing. And, and I said, you know, um, how thrilled were, you know, would Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson you know, uh, feel about, uh, you know, another 77 and 37 catches or whatever Dotson's were. Um, and he said, well, you know, uh, they st- they need a quarterback first and running game could set it up and Terry could be a part of the running game and whatever. And then I said to him, you know, th- if they really are serious about this, they really don't need Curtis Samuel. And you wrote about the possibility of moving on from Curtis Samuel. Yeah, I mean, if you're just looking at like what players could potentially be released from from a cap hit perspective, right? Curtis Samuel would be would certainly be one of them. Um, he, he, you know, it would be a pretty good chunk of change they would be saving. I, I want to say, I don't have it in front of me. Apologies, but it's like, is it like, I think it's like 13 million cap hit, or like eight million savings, or uh, it would generate 5.8 million in actual cap space if they released him. Right. So right. So I mean, like. At, you know, at a very, I understand you can run out of three receiver sets, and you know you can do some a lot of creative things. But in general, you need your receivers to block, and those three receivers, you know, they're all pretty small, relatively speaking. Um, and if you're going with like two tight end sets, well, that means one of those receivers isn't on the field, right? And that seems like a not a great move. But you would think two tight end sets could be something you'd want to do more of if you're going to be this run first team. So. You know, to all you know, to all that point, like it would make some sense to move on from Samuel um, if we're, again they're really going to lean lean into this. Now, I'm not suggesting that's what they're going to do. I've not heard that or, or anything along those lines. But that's sort of yeah, sort of the point. If you're really doing this, then what is what? what, what do you really need three those three receivers? Um, you know, it's like say hypothetically, Cam Sims, who's a much bigger guy, was one of those three, which he's not. That might be a little bit different because he's a you know big guy, blocks all that. But these three guys, you know, they might be willing blockers, but that's not none of no. their none of their fortes. 
All right. Um, here we are on January 25th. Give me the top two quarterbacks on the roster when we get to training camp. Um, well, okay. You, you tell me. Who's, uh, you mentioned Shermer Zampezi. Who's the offensive coordinator? Pick one. Uh, I'll pick Zampezi. All right. Well, then I'll go Andy Dalton as the other quarterback. He's a free agent. Um, after this year, they worked together in Cincinnati. Um, you know, obviously it didn't go that great, and Dalton didn't particularly play well, but they have a, you know, they have history. Uh, you know, the, uh, Zampezi was at Dalton wedding, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, to me, you know, look, I mean, maybe Dalton stays in, in New Orleans. He didn't play, he, you know, put out a pretty decent year, but if he actually does spring free, I, I think that would make sense. And, you know, as much as I, I think Sam Howell is interesting, I just don't buy that Ron Rivera is thinking, I'm going to go into this year where I really need to win, and I'm going to do it with a guy with one career start. I just don't, I, I just find that hard to believe. So, you know, and Dalton last year only cost, uh, I think his salary was like $3 million. He's clearly, you know, he, he, he's solid, but he's not viewed as a, anybody like must-have starter. So, yeah, that would be my They They would have won, they would have won more games. They would have won more games this year with Andy Dalton, their quarterback, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I I, 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 I agree. That, that was the one thing about Hal's last game is that, you know, obviously he lacks the experience, but it just felt like the offense looked more normal because the other two guys, it was just always just a constant fire drill one way or the other. Yeah. Um, and I think Dalton would give you some of that as, as well. Look, he's an older guy, not exactly a, a guy who's going to make, um, you know, plays on the move. But, you know, if this is what we're talking about, I think that would make – that would make some sense for it to me. So, Hal and Dalton. If Shermer were the guy, would you have said Keenum and Dalton? Uh, Keenan and Hal? <laughs> Keenum and Hal? Because no. Keenum was coached I, I, by I, Shermer I, in Minnesota? Yeah, I didn't really have. I was, hope, I was hoping you were going to say the MP because okay. I had the Dalton thing. I, I don't I don't know about the, the Shermer one, but, you know, at that point, it you know, maybe just be, you know, your, you know, whether it's Dalton or Jacoby Brissett or some of the other kind of obvious names. That are out there at that level, um, Keenan boy, that would be uh, that, that would be a rough one, I would think. Um, all right, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Ben Standing, everybody. Up next, J.I. Halsell, my good friend who is an agent uh, and also used to be the salary cap analyst for the Washington Redskins uh, some 15 years ago or so. Uh, We'll talk about how the Packers would actually go about trading Aaron Rodgers. I'll ask him about Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson, and maybe a few other things as well. That's next right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This final segment of the show brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC. They'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. I mean, it's really amazing to watch this point spread move around the way it's been moving around. Cincinnati right now, now back to a one-point favorite. They were a two-point favorite yesterday. Um, Started as a two-point dog. Uh, The whole Mahomes question right now is a big thing in the betting community with respect to this game because a high ankle sprain is a high ankle sprain. Those things don't heal quickly, and there is definitely some sharp money on Cincinnati, but then they bought it back a little bit to one and a half. I see some ones out there at my bookie and other places. Philly still at minus two and a half. Go to mybookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, and they'll double your first deposit all the way up to a thousand bucks. All right, joining me to finish up the show today is my good friend J.I. Halsell. J.I., former um, cap analyst for the Washington Redskins, a current NFL agent. You can follow J.I. on Twitter at SalaryCap101. He's a salary cap expert. And I opened the show today, J.I., and I have not prepared you for this other than to ask you in advance to be able to explain how the Packers would trade Aaron Rodgers and then maybe to talk about Derek Carr's contract a little bit. But I opened the show today by saying, look, it now appears as if, if you believe the reporting, Rappaport, if you believe even Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show yesterday, that there's a possibility the Packers will try to trade Aaron Rodgers. And I made the case that... If you were Washington, if you were Dan Snyder and you traded for Aaron Rodgers, the value of your organization would actually be enhanced. You know, you'd have an influx of season ticket purchases, of sponsorships. The whole whole perception of the franchise would change overnight. You'd be a contender. You know, you'd be a top two to three odds-on contender to win the NFC next year because Washington's roster, J.I., I don't know how much you followed it, is a pretty good roster. They've got an excellent defense. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I don't expect it to happen. Um, I'm just, I was making the case that, that you could actually potentially increase the valuation of the franchise in the process of selling it. I mean, Bank of America might have to put out a new updated prospectus to say, Hey, you know, our revenues for next year are much, our projections for revenues next year and the year after are much higher than we had put out in the original book. So anyway, what is the real likelihood of Aaron Rodgers being traded, A, and B, how would they go about doing that with all of that yeah. dead cap money and, by the way, yeah. $60 million next year in cash output by the team that has him? Yep. Yeah, no, from a pure cap management standpoint, if you trade him before June 1st, um, you're, the dead money number is actually higher than his current cap number. So his current cap number is 31.6 million if you trade them it becomes 40.3 so you're actually giving up 8.7 million 
in cap space. Now, that being said, mechanically, if you were to trade him, you would have to do it in a way where the, the acquiring team has to take on some of his guaranteed um, salary, if not all of it, which they did structure the contract in a way where a big chunk of his compensation next year, $58 million, comes in an option bonus, right? So, and that option doesn't need to be exercised until the window, like the start of free agency to the first day of, or the first regular season game. So you could trade all of that money to a new team, but who's picking up the full $58 million Nobody. bonus? So some of that money, yeah, so some of that money's going to have to stay with Green Bay. That's going to be part of the negotiation in addition to um, the pick. So it's a long-winded way of saying that, you know, from a probability standpoint, I just don't see them trading Aaron Rodgers. I agree with you, but Aaron Rodgers implied that he'd be willing to tweak, and I, I you know, I, I read into tweak meaning restructure his contract to make a trade possible. So how would that work? Yeah, no, if, I mean, he's supposed to make $59.5 million in cash in 2023. My sense is he's not giving up 50, any amount of 59.5. Maybe he's willing to tweak the deal so that you know, he has a greater likelihood of going to a new team by restructuring the guarantee. So some of the guarantee stays with the Packers and his new team, as I mentioned before, isn't picking up the full $58 million option bonus. Maybe he's willing to tweak it that way, but my sense is he's going to make, he's going to make his 59 and a half in 2023 in some form or fashion. Um, He may be willing to restructure it though to can, to, uh, enhance the likelihood of a trade is what I hear. I just can't imagine from my standpoint, if I'm Green Bay, after giving him the deal last year, three years, you know, in aggregate, $150 million or whatever it was, moving uh-huh. on from him after one year and taking, you said, a $40 million dead cap hit. I, I'm, I'm looking at spot rack. It says that it's a $99 million dead cap hit. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so but if it, if it's forty, but even forty, I mean, you're going to move on from him and trade him, and and take a forty million dollar cap hit next year. I, I guess you could spread it out over two years. I mean, explain that to me. Yeah, no. So what uh, Spotrac is kind of incorporating in there is not exactly accurate. Is that he also has forty a forty seven million dollar option bonus in twenty twenty four. But it's not truly guaranteed right now. It doesn't okay. become guaranteed until early in the 2024 free agency um, or league year. Um, but either way, his dead money number is enormous. <laughs> so, again, unless he's willing to redo the structure of the deal to facilitate a trade, um, that's the only way that happens. What's your guess on Aaron Rodgers? Traded or he plays in Green Bay next year? I think he plays in Green Bay next year. Um, you know, look, he's not too far removed from back-to-back MVPs, right? Um, this year, obviously, a lot of turnover at the receiver position, so on and so forth. Um, but, you know, if I'm the Green Bay Packers, again, he's played at a high level fairly recently. Um, and given the cap considerations and given the cap and contract gymnastics that you would have to do in order to facilitate a trade and then potentially start Jordan Love, who, while he showed flashes this year, do you truly know what you have? Um, my sense is 
could 2023 be his uh, Aaron Rodgers' final year in Green Bay? Absolutely. Um, and then you move on in 2024 where the cap um, dead money isn't as pronounced as it would be this year. So I think he has at least one more year in Green Bay. I do too. That's been my guess all along. I just think that the increased conversation the last few days was interesting. Um you know, especially when you hear it from Rappaport and Schefter, you know, both reporting that, you know, this is definitely a possibility. All right, talk about Derek Carr. First of all, what do you think the compensation to trade for Derek Carr would be when we pretty much know the Raiders want to move on from him? Um, I mean, there's, I would imagine there's comp, uh, a competition for him, but you don't think that he's just going to be released, do you? Well, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to come up with this pretty quickly here because he has seventy five million that becomes truly guaranteed for skill injury and cap three days after this year's Super Bowl. So um you know, whether it's being released or agreeing to a trade and part of that agreement says that, you know, the team that's acquiring him is willing to take on all of that guaranteed money. Um you know, you've got to make a decision on Derek Carr very quickly here just because of the way his deal is structured in terms of when the money becomes guaranteed. So does that hurt um, Vegas? That hurts Vegas's leverage, right? Absolutely, because teams know that, look, they're going to have to make a decision on this guy here in the next, you call it week to 10 days. Um, they obviously don't want to pay the $75 million that's going to become guaranteed for skill injury and cap. So that absolutely weakens their leverage in, in, in trade negotiations. So what do you think he'll go for if he's dealt before that all that money becomes guaranteed the day after the Super Bowl? What do you think the Raiders will get back for him? Here's the thing. I don't know that he gets dealt. Um, because it's just, you know, what, could you get, are you going to get a mid-round pick? I suspect you could get a mid-round pick. Are you going to get what, the Seahawks got for Russell Wilson? No. Um, it's just the, they have no leverage because of how they structured the conversion of his guarantee. And um, But you don't think he's well, going to play in Vegas. He's done there. No. No, he's yeah. done there. So you think a release program. is more likely? I don't know if it's more likely, but it's a distinct possibility. Okay. Right? Um, and, and if he is indeed traded... I think we will be surprised by the lack of value that they get back. Right. And again, it is this function of time, right? Because his money becomes guaranteed three days after the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, like if the, seriously, if the Raiders get back, let's just say a third from somebody for Derek Carr and Washington gave up, you know, a second, a third, switched spots and around, ate the whole contract for Carson Wentz a year earlier. Uh, it's just going to make them look dumber because we knew Indianapolis was going to release him anyway. Uh, now, I think, you know, part of it will be a team that really wants Derek Carr, won't want to see him released, and then him essentially have a choice. So giving up some compensation for him to ensure that he's with you Makes sense. Yeah. He doesn't have a no trade yep. clause, does he? I don't think he does. He, he, oh, that, he, he does. does. He does have a he no does. trade clause. Yes, yeah. he does. So, yeah. so you know, he's got to, you know, he's got to be willing to go to wherever. Right. Is. Sorry, I misspoke. It's actually forty million, uh, a little over forty million that becomes guaranteed on the third day of the league year. Well, but still, again, still yeah. big amount of money, right? That and is, um, the full no trade clause means they even have less leverage. 
Exactly. So, you know, he can limit really the scope of teams right. that, you know, they can engage in negotiations and then the clock is ticking where you've got over $40 million that becomes guaranteed for skill, injury, and cap on the, uh, the third day after the Super Bowl. I mean, for him, he'd much rather be released and then, you know, sit back and, and sure. play the game. Sure, but at the same time, I mean, in 2023, he's supposed to make $33 million in cash. Yeah. I don't know that there's a deal out there True. that will good keep point. him whole at that $33 million. Yeah, good point. Um, one last uh, player, um, much talked about. What do you think happens with Lamar Jackson? <laughs> um, I think Lamar, let me take a step back. I think the Ravens showed with Roquan Smith that they can negotiate in good faith with a player who is self-represented, right, or self-representing themselves. So I think they've shown that. Roquan Smith so, didn't have representation either? He didn't, he didn't have an agent, correct. Okay. So, and that deal, when you look at it, how it's structured, the value of it looks, you know, it, it looks the part, right? And it, it's, a, it's a good deal. So that being said, the Ravens can clearly negotiate with a player who's self, self-represented. For Lamar... Now the question becomes, okay, it's easy to kind of dig your heels in when you're coming off of being, you know, great player, MVP, all those things. But when you're coming off of an injury, an extended injury, and maybe some of that was his choice to make it an extended injury to try to needle the Ravens a little bit and show them how much, you know, his value is to them. You still at some point need to kind of take a step back and say, I need to shift this injury risk to the Ravens or to a, a new team. And and how do I do that? Well, you do that by meeting meeting them in the middle, right? I know, you know, the Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed contract in excess of $200 million is the shiny object. But that's a different set of circumstances than the one Lamar finds himself in. And so, again, you know, the sooner you can shift the injury risk to a club, you know, the, the better off Lamar will be. So long-winded way of saying, I think that if Lamar were smart, I think he would return to engaging the Ravens in discussions for a long-term deal, but be a little more open-minded to doing a deal um, that, again, shifts the, the risk to the club and, again, knows that the club won't take advantage of him as being a self-represented player because they shown that with Roquan Smith. So um, my hope is <laughs> that Lamar gets a deal done with the Ravens. Yeah, I um, I think it's a really tough uh, – I've talked about this a lot. I think it's a really tough thing from the team standpoint, too. He is a former MVP. He's won a lot of games when he's been on the field. But the last two years, you didn't make the postseason and you were ousted in the first round because he wasn't available. And the way he plays and the way you're con- you're going to continue to play him, um, that's a tough, you know, $185 million in guaranteed dollars, $40 million a year kind of a, you know, $45 million a, a year kind of a deal to give a quarterback like him. You know, I, like, to me, Jalen Hurts, like, I think it's going to be interesting to see Hurts, to see Burrow, to see some of these upcoming deals and what they look like. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and, when you say what they look like, to me, I interpret that as what is the structure of the deal because to all those things that you just mentioned in terms of the risk that the Ravens even take on by doing a deal with Lamar, you can mitigate that via structure and when does the money become guaranteed 
How are the cash flows? And that's what I mean by having some middle ground conversation. Right. I guess what I was thinking was more or less, we're going to learn here, you know, in the next year, whether the Deshaun Watson deal was just an aberration. Yeah, we'll, we'll learn pretty quickly. I know that the, uh, the, the sample size was small this year in terms of when he returned to play, but it didn't look like it was at a level of fully guaranteed contract. No, <laughs> it didn't. I'll tell you that. All right. Um, how you been? Uh, everything well? All is well. Just getting ready for Super Bowl and waste management open out here in the Valley in a couple of weeks. And, uh, <laughs> that is a great combo of events. The waste management open in the Super Bowl. Scottsdale will be um, – it will be entertaining there that week. That's for sure. As the young folks would say, it's going to be Liddy out here. <laughs> so, uh, it'll, 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 no, it's going to be a great weekend. It'll be fun. All right, enjoy it. Thanks for doing this as always. Thanks, Kevin. J.I. Hallsell, everybody. Great dude. Uh, and, yeah, uh, waste management at TPC Scottsdale the same week as the Super Bowl. Uh, we've been out there a couple of times for that. Um, Super Bowls in Arizona are fun. They're a lot of fun. And that waste management uh, is a lot of fun as well. All right, done for the day. Back tomorrow with Tom.